Friends, as you've heard already, today is Epiphany Sunday, and and I'm guessing you probably picked up on it by now, but Epiphany is all about light. It's all about light. In fact, it comes from two Greek words, okay? Epi, which means upon, and and phino, which means to shine. So Epiphany, to shine upon, and, and we call it Epiphany Sunday because this is a day as a church that we celebrate and we remember the way that, that God revealed himself to us in Jesus. Literally, Jesus shined his light, not just on the Jewish people, but now on everybody, on everybody. And the wise men, they represent this because traditionally they're the first non-Jewish people that God revealed Jesus to. But with it being Epiphany, our focus today, it's going to be less on the wise men and their response. And instead, we're going to focus more on what it means for Jesus' light to shine. How he shines his light into the world. How he did it back then and how he still does today. To help us with this, we're going to be turning to God's word. God's word to us this morning, it comes from the Gospel of John. We'll be reading John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. And the words are going to be on the screen for you, but feel free to follow along in your Bibles as well. John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God." The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So like we said, we're talking today about Jesus shining his light, and we're talking about Jesus' light today on Epiphany Sunday. And so I brought something with to help us think about this. It's a light bulb. Seemed kind of fitting given the day. And, and I'm guessing for you, you probably keep your spare light bulbs similar to, to where Janelle and I keep them, in a closet or maybe a cupboard at home. But, you know, I was thinking it'd be kind of fun to walk around and just to keep a light bulb with me. That way, whenever I get a good idea, I can just pop it over my head, right? <laughs> Everybody else knows. Is it, is it lighting up right now? Doesn't bode too well, does it? <laughs> But you, you, get, you get the idea of a light bulb moment, right? You know what I'm talking about. You get an idea. We call it a light bulb moment. And you know, you can think about an epiphany kind of like a light bulb moment because an epiphany is when we have a breakthrough or really when, when something is revealed to us that we didn't see before. I think one of the most famous examples of this has to be Sir Isaac Newton. Right? He's, he's sitting under an apple tree, an apple falls to the ground, 
And suddenly he sees something that he couldn't see before. He has an epiphany, a, a light bulb moment. What does he say? Aha, gravity, gravity. And you know, Jesus coming to earth, especially as we read about it in the Gospel of John, that's another epiphany. It's another light bulb moment. When, when Jesus came to earth, in, in a sense, we could say God turned on the lights and we saw truth for the very first time. Because remember, we live in a world that has been corrupted by sin. And so up until that moment, it was darkness. We were lost. We were stumbling around in the dark. We didn't know God and we didn't understand his world. But then when Jesus came, things started to come into focus. As our passage says, Jesus shined his light into the darkness. And when he did, he opened our eyes to the truth. And, and you know, if you've ever been stuck in a dark room before when the power's out, you know how much you appreciate it when the lights finally come back on and you can see again. Because up until then, you're, you're stumbling and fumbling around trying to stay on your feet. Well, friends, that's one of the things Jesus did for us when he came into this world. He lit up our darkened minds and also this darkened world. I think the prophet Isaiah, he says it best in Isaiah chapter 9. He's prophesying about Jesus coming. And, and what does Isaiah say? He says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And, and those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. It shined upon them. So again, when Jesus came, he gave us that light bulb moment, that epiphany, because he shined his light into the darkness. And this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to spend a few minutes talking about the kind of light that Jesus shines, the light he shined back then and the light he still shines today. And to help us think through this, we're actually going to use verse 1 of our passage as our outline. It all makes sense in a minute, so let's get started. So what's the first thing we need to know about Jesus' light? Well, we see that his light shines purely. It shines purely. John 1 verse 1, how does it start? Those first six words. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. So why is that important? Why does it have to be in the beginning? Well, it's important, friends, because like we said, the world we live in is filled with darkness. It's corrupted, and it's been that way all the way back since the fall in the Garden of Eden. What happened? We broke the one rule God gave us, and the moment we did, darkness crept in. The moment we did, creation became corrupted. The lights went out. And you don't need me to tell you this, but we all know what that darkness is like. We all still experience it. We all still feel those effects, right? The darkness all around us, sin, suffering, evil, hunger, hatred, injustice, oppression, brokenness, disappointment, betrayal, even death. And you know, if we're honest, I think sometimes we're tempted to, to look at the darkness 
and to come to a similar conclusion that maybe we've heard people in the world say. To think that maybe God is just cruel because of the darkness around us, that his punishment was too severe, right? We, we broke this one little rule, and, and really this is his response? Is God not overreacting? Well, friends, he's not. And here's why. You see, we need to understand all those bad things we talked about, all that, all, all that darkness around us, those aren't God's punishments on us. I think sometimes we think about it this way, and I think part of the reason is because in Genesis 3, it talks about this darkness and, and these consequences as curses, right? And, and at face value, you think about a curse, and you think, well, one person curses another person, right? But that's not the point Genesis is making. In Genesis, it isn't God cursing us. It's us now living a cursed life. You see, in Genesis, God doesn't say, listen, Adam, listen, Eve, because you did this, now I curse you. What does he say? He says, because you have done this, cursed are you. You can almost hear the heartbreak in God's words. It's the consequence, the natural consequence to their actions. And stay with me, friends, because that is so crucial for us to understand. That these dark and terrible things we experience, this darkness, it's not God's punishment. They're simply the result of what a life is like that is separated from God. I mean, if you think about it, all those bad things we talked about, those are the opposite of who God is, right? All those bad things are darkness, but God is light. And you see, when we sinned, we became darkened. And so we had to be separated from God. There wasn't a choice. Why? Because God and darkness don't mix. They're the opposite. They're like oil and water. They're like two magnets that are constantly repelling each other. The Bible tells us right in John, 1 John, I should say, 1 John 1 verse 5, what does it say? This is the message we've heard from him, that is Jesus, and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. See, there's no room for us in our darkness, which means that we darkened this world, we darkened ourselves, and we were trapped with no way out of it. Because all we could do, even with our very best efforts, was simply add to the darkness. And that won't get rid of darkness. Martin Luther King Jr., he once famously said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And he was spot on. In fact, we don't have time today, but, but I'd encourage you on your own time, if, if you go to the book of Isaiah, right? Isaiah 9, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. If you go back to the end of chapter 8, we see why the people are walking in darkness. It makes it clear that the people, they're trying to fix the things that are wrong in this world by themselves, on their own, and all they're doing is adding to the darkness because they're trying to find a light 
that they just can't find because they're trying to find a light other than God and that just doesn't exist. So what are they to do? What's humanity to do? What are we to do? Well, there's nothing we could do to get out of this darkness, but there was something Jesus could do, right? He could shine his light. And the first uh, six words of our passage, they explain why Jesus' light was effective. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. You see, unlike you or me or anyone else who's ever lived, Jesus isn't part of the darkness. He's not corrupted because he's not part of creation. He existed before creation. In fact, in our passage, it says that that he was with God in the beginning and, and through him, all things were made. He was an agent of creation. And friends, what that means for us is that in Jesus, we now finally have a pure, unadulterated light. Or as John says in verse 9, in Jesus we have the true light that gives light to all people. Because the reality for us was that if we only look to the world or to ourselves, then just like the people in Isaiah, we will always be walking in darkness and the world will be forever dark. And so what we desperately needed is someone outside the darkness, someone whom the darkness never touched or tainted, someone who doesn't answer to the darkness to come and to shine his light and to set us free. And in Jesus, we have just that because Jesus' light shines purely, which means that in Jesus and Jesus alone, We now have a true light to follow. And in Jesus and Jesus alone, we can once again be brought into God's light. Because in this dark world, Jesus alone shines purely. And he also shines purposefully. What does our passage say? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. The word was with God. So why is that important? Well, it's important because it means that Jesus is aligned with God. By that, we mean God the Father. They're on the same team. They're working always towards the same goal. And again, friends, I don't know about you, but I think sometimes we don't think about it that way. Right? Isn't the temptation to see God the Father maybe as this big meanie, this big bully, Like he gives us these impossible standards. He sets the bar way too high. And he's unreasonable if he thinks we can can, can live up to that. And then he punishes us so severely if we don't. I think sometimes we, we think, well, at least we have Jesus, right? At least we have Jesus. Because if it weren't for Jesus, we'd be at the mercy of the Father. We'd be at the mercy of some divine tyrant. You see, friends, that's just not the case. If, if anything, looking at it that way is reading ourselves and our perspective into Jesus because all throughout Scripture, Jesus is crystal clear about something. He's crystal clear about the fact that everything he does, friends, everything Jesus does, it's always right in line with what the Father wants. And that makes sense if you think about it. How did darkness enter the world? Well, it it entered when we 
became misaligned with God. We went off and tried to do things our own way. And so if Jesus is this true light that John tells us he is, then then Jesus has to be aligned with God the Father. Otherwise, it's going to be another form of darkness. You see, it can't be Jesus against God. It can't even be Jesus sort of holding God's fist back. It has to be Jesus with God. That's the only way we too can be with God. We need a Savior, a light who is with God to bring us back to God. And here too, the implications are enormous because it makes us see God the Father in a whole new light. Because it means that God, he's no longer a God that we need to be terrified of. He's, he's no longer a God that we need to hide from. And let's pause for a sec because I don't want to get this wrong. It's not because God doesn't care about sin. It's not because God doesn't demand justice. It's not because God only forgives and he never punishes. No. It's because Jesus reveals God's purpose all along. His purpose to rescue us from the darkness we fully deserved by sending Jesus to be punished in our place so that we might have light and life once again. And one way Jesus shows us his light, one way he shines it and shows us God's purpose is right on the cross, right? Because on the cross, what Jesus did is he showed us how perfect and how just God is, punishing sin, but also at the same time, how loving and merciful and forgiving he is. Again, friends, think about what that means. Even though we disobeyed God, even though God had every reason to see us as his enemies, and if we're honest, if we were in God's shoes, we would see ourselves as the enemies. Instead of punishing us, God chose to love us. See, Jesus didn't undermine God's plan. No, he showed us the purpose of God's plan. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 6. He says, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Friends, that doesn't sound like an angry, vengeful God to me. That sounds like a God that we can't help but adore. And if that's the kind of God we worship, if that's how much he has our best interests in mind, well, that's going to change the way that we think about the things God speaks to us. The warnings he says to us, even even the rules he gives us to follow, we're going to take those seriously. Because if that was the kind of purpose God had in mind for us in sending Jesus, then, then we have no reason whatsoever to doubt his intentions behind everything else he teaches us, even when it doesn't make sense to us. Because Jesus' light shines purposefully, and he shows us a God worth following completely in every part of our lives. And Jesus' light also shines powerfully. 
How does the passage, verse 1, continue? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was God. If you ask me, friends, I think this is the most important quality of the light. Because for as pure as Jesus' light is, and for the amazing purpose behind his coming, all of that was going to be for nothing if Jesus didn't have the power to back it up. But the Bible makes clear that, that Jesus isn't just pure and holy like God. Jesus isn't just fully aligned with God, but Jesus is fully God. Fully human, but also fully God. And why is that so important? It's important because it means that unlike all the false lights we might sometimes turn to in this world, unlike everything else that is really just darkness in disguise, only Jesus' light can conquer the darkness because only Jesus' light is powerful, inexhaustible, and unstoppable. Because only Jesus' light is divine. Only his light is eternal. And once again, this changes everything. Because like we said, we were trapped in a darkness that we could not get out of. This world and ourselves, we were broken in a way that we couldn't fix. But God didn't leave us there, right? Even though we were beyond our own repair, we were never beyond God's repair. Because Jesus shined his light in the darkness. And you have to understand that word darkness that John uses. In the Greek, the word is skotia. And it's important because when John uses that word for darkness, he's normally not talking about people. He's using that word darkness to describe the powers, the realm, the forces of darkness. You see, when our passage talks about darkness and Jesus shining his light into the darkness. Even though we're all sinful, the focus isn't on how bad and broken we are, not in this passage. No, the focus is on how helpless and powerless we are. See, for John, darkness isn't just the reality that we brought about. Darkness is the reality that we can't escape. It's the darkness that overpowers us, the darkness we're powerless to overcome. But friends, even though we're powerless, Jesus' light shines so powerfully because seeing us in our helpless condition, seeing us wandering and lost in darkness, what did Jesus do? He came down, right? The light of the world, as John says, the, the true light that gives light to all people. The light of the world came down right into our darkness. And as he did, he let his innocent and pure and beautiful light be snuffed out. He descended to the deepest, darkest hell imaginable to be locked away in the same prison that held each one of us. Why? So that three days later, he could shine his light once again right through the very heart of darkness, right through the very center of hell itself to set us free. It's like Charles Wesley in his famous hymn wrote, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. 
amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Friends, that's how powerfully Jesus' light shines. The light shines in the darkness, and we can say with confidence that the darkness will never overcome it. And one last thought. For as powerful as Jesus' light is, it still shines today. And our job, as Eric did a good job of mentioning, our job is to reflect Jesus' light to each other, to the world around us. Because you see, there's still plenty of people out there walking in darkness. But you and I, we have seen a great light. We've seen the true light that gives light to all people. So how do we reflect Jesus' light to others? How do we do this well? One last thing. Eric and I, when we were talking before the service, we realized we both brought Christmas lights. We didn't plan it that way. We see ourselves like these. What do I mean? Well, look at these lights. The first thing, if we're going to reflect Jesus' light well, we need to see ourselves like one of these Christmas lights. It's small, right? Shining Jesus' light to the world, that starts by having the humility to admit that when it comes to life, and even when it comes to ourselves, guess what? We're not the big light. We're, we're the little light. What else do we notice about these lights? Well, these little lights, they're all the same size as each other, right? No one light is bigger or brighter or more important than any of the other lights. You know, that sounds a lot like what Paul says about the church, the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, he says, the body's made up of many people, many members, but each one is just as important as all the others. Why? Because each part needs Jesus. We were all helplessly lost in the dark together. I don't know if I've said it here before or not, but the cross, friends, is a great equalizer because there's no room for personal pride when you're standing at the foot of the cross. We're all in the same boat. What else do we notice about these lights? They're all connected to each other, right? That's true for us, too. If we're going to shine Jesus' light, just like we all need Jesus, we need each other. In fact, the Bible tells us God surrounds us with brothers and sisters in Christ so that we can help each other, we can encourage each other, we can spur each other on. See, God gives us other people in our lives to help us keep shining, keep reflecting brightly. And he puts other people in our lives so we can help them do the same. And one last thing about these lights. How do they light up? Do these little bulbs just start glowing on their own? Do they work up enough energy? No. They start shining when they're connected to their power source when they're connected to the source that makes them shine. So too for us, friends. If we're going to shine Jesus' light, if we're going to reflect him to the world around us, the only way to reflect his light, it's true for all light, including Jesus' light, if we're going to reflect the light, we've got to stay in the light. See, we've got to do it Jesus' way in every part of our lives because what's when we step out of the light that suddenly we stop shining and we stop reflecting. You know, friends, if we can do those three things, if we can 
see each other as equally important, if we can spend our time encouraging and spurring each other on, and if we can help each other stay firmly planted right in the center of Jesus' light, you know the kind of witness we'll be to this world? Just imagine how brightly we can reflect Jesus' light to those who are still in darkness. Because the whole point of Jesus bringing us into his light, it wasn't so everyone could look at us and, and see how great we are. It's so that we can show the world just how great God is. Listen to what Jesus says to us in Matthew. He says this to us as his little lights, his little reflectors. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, before all people. Why? That they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You see, Jesus shines his light on us so we can point the world to our heavenly Father. Because Jesus' pure and purposeful and powerful light keeps shining. So brothers and sisters, let's remain in his light and let's reflect his light as people who are no longer walking in darkness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for sending Jesus. We thank you for, for shining your light right into the midst of our darkness. Thank you for setting us free. And thank you for not just setting us free, but being willing to use us as imperfect as we are to reflect your love and light to a world that needs to experience it. And so, Lord, help us to do just that. Help us to, to lean on each other and ultimately help us to lean on you. Keep us in your light so that we may shine Jesus' light brightly to everyone around us in whose precious name we pray, amen.